Good morning, Bucknutters. It is Sunday, December 8th, 2019. I am Dan Rubin. This is Bucknuts Almost Live, our in-season Sunday morning podcast, and it has been quite a season. Ohio State defeats Wisconsin 34-21 in the Big Ten Championship game. It was a tale of two halves. Buckeyes trailed 14-0, really faced the first, I guess you'd say, real adversity they have all season. We're going to be joined today by the Dean of Ohio State, Bill Crook, and the People's Champ, Matt Baxendale. But we will start with the Dean. Bill, how goes it? Uh, very well this morning, Dan. Uh, certainly, uh, as you put it so aptly, a tale of two halves last night. But, uh, uh, you know, what Ohio State did in the second half just uh, borders on spectacular to me. 27 to nothing run, shutting out Wisconsin in the second half in the, the Stat that is just mind-boggling after watching the first half is that Ohio State held Wisconsin to six yards rushing, I believe, in the second half. That's just incredible. Um, you know, who would have thought that watching the first half? Six yards rushing, uh, you hold Wisconsin in any half. That's that's spectacular defensive play. And, uh, you know, just uh, a great win for Ohio State. You know, I think, uh, and I always said, games are won up front in the first half. Wisconsin dominated up front, both sides of the ball, totally different in the second half. And not only the six yards rushing, but I always like to say, I like to look at, uh, are you around the other team's quarterback, as I like to put it? Not necessarily sacking him all the time, but around him, making him throw uh, quicker, that type of thing. First half, uh, obviously, Ohio State was not around their quarterback very often, and they were around Justin Fields quite often. Second half, it was totally the opposite, and couple that with six yards rushing, and and you, you saw what you got. We're going to get to the recruiting implications and what Bill does best, but first, Bill, put on your college football playoff committee hat. The main story this morning has been, because there's no real intrigue with the fourth spot, I don't think, it's going to be Oklahoma. The main intrigue is, number one, Ohio State or LSU. Ohio State entered number one. LSU arguably had a more impressive performance yesterday, given what they did to Georgia. Your thoughts on what you think should happen and what you think will happen? Well, one thing I think is interesting is it it seems to me that the ESPN hype machine is already uh, full bore LSU number one. You know, I watched Heather Dinich this morning say that LSU should be number one because they had four wins against top 25 teams, and they had the more impressive uh, game yesterday. Well, what she totally left out of that equation is that Ohio State did not say a word about Ohio State having five wins against top 25 teams, and the margin of victory for Ohio State in those five wins was greater than LSU's in their four wins over top 25 teams. So, you know, to leave that totally out of the equation, just to to be as completely unfair. Um, You know, as far as who should or whatever, you know, as I watched the end of that game last night, I I was thinking that LSU would probably be number one until Joe Klatt put up a a very good graphic saying, you know, just what I've talked about, the highest state has more wins against top 25 teams Ohio State has a bigger margin of victory, et cetera. His graphic was was very, very good and, and uh, has it, it, an impelling case for Ohio State to be number one. Let me put it that way. 
I have no idea what they're going to do. I'm tending to think they're going to actually keep them at number one. We'll get into that in detail with the people's champ. I think Bax may actually be a little opinionated on that. Let's talk recruiting. What happens now? Between now and kickoff of the college football playoff, what access do they have? Who visits? What do they do? How much time is spent on recruiting versus, you know, getting ready for the game? Is it more 2020 or 2021? Kind of wrap everything up for us here. Well, this is going to be a crazy week for Ohio State and a crazy uh, several weeks for Ohio State coaches. Uh, hectic, I guess, would be the best word rather than crazy. Um, you know, they're already out on the road. Um, uh, Kevin Wilson uh, went to the basketball game of Josh Fryer on Friday night. Uh, the coaches will be out in mass starting today visiting with recruits, and they're going to start mainly with the kids that have committed. You know, I've had uh, in my column – last couple of days kind of detailing where a number of the Ohio State commit or I should say coaches will be and they're seeing a lot of commitments um, today Monday Tuesday and so on Uh, I I look for Ryan Day to be in Ohio a lot you remember when he first got the job um, last January what did he do he went all over Ohio and made sure those Ohio coaches know how important uh, they are to Ohio State recruiting so uh, they're going to be out recruiting there's going to be official visits coming up uh the big one december 14th is cj stroud the quarterback from california um and that'll lead, all lead into of course bowl practices at the same time recruits will be making uh visits for bowl practices to ohio state unofficial visits uh heavy on the 2021 class they have 25 commitments there's not a lot to be done there's still so more important work to be done for 2020, you know, mainly getting another quarterback if they can, and then maybe one or two other players in the class. But it's going to be heavy on the 2021 kids, and uh, the coaches are going to be really all over the country uh, seeing those. And it's going to be hectic, but they've got Mark Pantone uh, leading the charge, and he's the best in the business at what he does, and it's going to be very organized uh, because of him and his staff. Yeah, the bowl practices are an excellent chance, not just for young guys in Ohio State's roster to get some extra snaps, but to bring in some future Buckeyes to get a real good look at how things work. Finish with this, Bill. Give us the latest on C.J. Stroud, uh, his schedule. He's got other visits planned, and kind of what you expect to go down down the stretch here. Well, you know, I think anybody that says that they know for sure what C.J. Stroud is going to do uh, you know, is not being honest. I don't think anybody knows for sure where he's going to end up. Um, obviously, Ohio State would love him to end up at Ohio State. Um, he's been an official. He's been at Michigan this weekend for an official visit. Um, you know, he's got Ohio State next weekend. Yeah, he is planning to make his decision uh, in the not too distant future. You know, I, I still have him crystal ball to Ohio State. Uh, you know, I, obviously, I, I like the Buckeyes there, and, and he's already been to Georgia. I might also add to to that. Um, but I talked to one source in California, and uh, as they put it, CJ's just kind of gone radio silent uh, the last couple of weeks, and this source knows him uh, well, he's just not talking to people a lot. He's just going through the recruiting process now. We'll see where it ends up. Uh, again, I, I still like my pick of Ohio State uh, in the crystal ball, but we'll, we'll see. Ohio State has that huge official visit coming up this weekend. You will hear it here first. We appreciate the dean stopping by. Have a great Sunday, Bill. You too, Dan.
We'll be back with the People's Champ. We are back, joined by Matt Baxendale, the People's Champ. There are times when I look forward to hearing from Bax, let's be honest, every time. But this one, I have a little more juice. Bax, Ohio State got it done against Wisconsin. As I discussed with the dean earlier, it was a tale of two halves. I'll give you a couple minutes here to talk about last night, and then we will get into the subject at hand, which I'm sure you have strong opinions on. Your thoughts on Ohio State's kind of Jekyll and Hyde performance, I guess, against the Badgers. Well, they finally got punched in the face, and we saw what they had uh, sort of for a spine behind it. Because let's face it, outside of even the first Wisconsin game, which was 10-7 Ohio State at the half, no one's really stuck with them. We finally had the fear for once. And I've talked all year about the fear. And the fear wasn't there until last night in that first half when Wisconsin outmuscled, outmanned, outschemed, and flat-out outplayed Ohio State in the first half. Uh, you know, if we're going to switch to the positive, you've got to go to the negative part first. You've got to talk about the hole that they fell into before you can talk about them climbing out of it. That defensive stand at the end of the first half, when it was 14-7 to and Wisconsin was just trying to run the ball to go to half, could have gone down as one of the most infamous defensive series in the history of Ohio State football. They were just trying to run Jonathan Taylor and run the clock out, and they gave him 45 yards. Like, there are lots of words that I can't say on a family show that describes that performance there. So the first half was, I think the team finally got the, the press clippings going to their head. They finally, you know, had a little bit of complacency we were concerned about. It's just human nature when you play a team twice in one year and you win the first game by 31 points. The other team's going to be more motivated coming out of the gates. So, yeah, it was the worst half of the season for the Buckeyes. No question whatsoever about it. Wisconsin clearly wanted it more, and OSU didn't seem quite ready to come to the challenge. And it did not help that Justin Fields looked pretty injured for the majority of the game on that knee. His running was a non-factor. He missed some passes throughout the game that he just flat-out doesn't normally miss. Uh, there was a couple times where not just the deep passes where the ball was a foot too high or something just out of the reach of a receiver, but some open crossing patterns and guys in the flat that he missed. It was very unlike him. So there's a lot of adversity in these guys' face. And now that we've got that out of the way, what a clap back in the second half. Like, in the first half, I'm sitting there just thinking, please just let us win this game, right? In the second half, I'm thinking, you know, this response is pretty good. This is the kind of thing that might keep us with the number one seed. I'm not sure. So second half, what happens? OSU comes out, much better scheme, wins the line of scrimmage, field hits a couple big plays, and most importantly, the defense steps up. The defense finally got themselves with their feet underneath them, one at the line of scrimmage, started man-balling up on Taylor, and guess what happened? 27-0 run. Looked like an absolutely, utterly dominant force. Wisconsin only got 23 yards until that last garbage time drive. 23 yards and a half. That's insane. That's the kind of performance that you know this team's capable of. That's much more along the lines of when we talk about, you know, this team is just that damn good. That second half describes when we talk about what that team means when we say it's just that damn good. I don't know how many teams in America can come out after getting clapped on like that and then, boom, 27 nothing to win the game going away. That was really impressive. So, sure, they dug a gigantic hole and we felt the fear. And then they came back out and were the most dominant team in the country per usual. you got to have a lot of confidence coming out of that. They were finally tested and they responded in a championship fashion. This is going to sound silly. Never felt the fear. Too early. If it was in the second half, I guess I would have started to feel it. There was never – I'm sorry. I must be the publisher of Bucknuts for a couple reasons. One, the first drive was a missed tackle on Baron Browning. Or they were off the field. There were a couple of them like that. Now, I realize that gave Wisconsin confidence, but I just did not see Cohen being able to do that consistently with one receiver. That said, 
I don't know what's going to happen now. I wouldn't be surprised by anything. I actually think Ohio State will stay at number one if I had to bet. The floor is yours. Well, right now, uh, I think everybody had the same thought of, well, look at LSU. They just were dominant for the second straight game. That's a big win over a Georgia team that, you know, a lot of people think is good, and a lot of us, I'll be real honest, I never thought Georgia was that good this year. I thought they had a good defense, and their offense was kind of trash. And if you lose to a 4-8 and South Carolina team at home, with their backup quarterback in it, you know, that's more disqualifying than Iowa or Purdue was. So, regardless, uh, first of all, everybody needs to shut up about this whole BS about LSU beating five top ten teams. When one of your top ten teams is Texas, who finished seven and five, that's not a top ten team. They stink. So, that said, of the current rankings, OSU has three wins over top ten teams. LSU only has two. Uh, that That's first and foremost. OSU has five wins over ranked teams from last week. LSU has four. On top of that, you know Ohio State's non-conference schedule this year? Here's who they had. Florida Atlantic, Conference USA champions. Miami of Ohio, MAC champions. Cincinnati, losers in a very tight AAC championship game. Ohio State almost beat three conference champions in their non-conference portion, which I don't know if anybody's ever done that before. So you talk about sheer resume. Ohio State has the better resume. There's no question about it. And I think when you look at it like that, it makes it a lot simpler answer. The, the, the blunt truth is everybody down south is having a heart attack because, in their opinion, they don't understand how an undefeated SEC team couldn't be the one seed. It's so far out of their normal worldview that they have no way to respond to it. Uh, you have the Clay Travises and the, that group of the world who just, if the SEC has an undefeated team, they're the best team in America because SEC. That's their, their circular logic. And it's obviously idiocy. And so, you know, the, the bottom line is, I think Ohio State's done enough to maintain that one seed. They won, again, by more than a score. This is, this is, this is actually a bigger win, point-wise, than the Penn State game. That was enough for the committee to move Ohio State up over LSU in the first place. So, to me, LSU, look, they had a great year, but I don't know if they really jumped the Buckeyes. And the committee will do what they'll do, but I do think it's critical that if you stay at the one, your path is a lot easier with an Oklahoma team that has no defense whatsoever versus playing against the Clemson team that, let's face it, they they have a bit of the Miami 90s scary to them. Sure, they haven't played anybody, but they've killed almost everybody they've played, and that's the defending champs. I'd love to let them and LSU beat each other first um, before OSU can pick up whoever's left. So the one seed matters this year, and unlike a lot of years, it matters. Does it maybe matter as much when we were thinking about the chance of having the Utah or a, or a team like a Baylor in there? But, you know, the one seed in past years, look, the one seed – the year Ohio State won the national championship was Alabama. They drew Ohio State. That, was, that wasn't a benefit for them. This year, I think Ohio State playing against Oklahoma is a sheer benefit compared to uh, Clemson or LSU because there's three teams that have separated themselves this year. If the BCS was still around, this would be that 2004 kind of year. And the good thing for everybody in the country is that there is no issue with the BCS being around anymore. But with the playoffs – Sometimes the fourth team is clearly deficient compared to the rest of them. And this is a year where OSU would probably have an edge to keep that number one seed, no question about it. If Georgia played Wisconsin on a neutral field with no geographic bias, what would the spread be, you think? Uh, probably Wisconsin be favored. I tell you, I think they'd win flat out. Georgia's not a good football team on offense. Uh, Wisconsin has a very good defense, just like Georgia. But – the difference is, is Wisconsin has something to hang their hat on offensively, which is running Taylor down people's throats. On the flip side of the equation, what does Georgia do? Like, really, what does Georgia do well? 
the, their players are all hurt. Their quarterback's overrated, and everybody wants to talk about how they still wish they had Justin Fields. So sorry about that, guys. I, I really think Wisconsin's a better football team than Georgia. And that's really a big part of it, given the emphasis that's going to be put on the last game. And I actually think that's the reason Ohio State's going to end up still being number one. I think the public perception of Georgia and the media's perception of Georgia over Wisconsin is faulty. And I just don't think it's going to be shared in the room. When you look at Wisconsin, they were ranked number eight. It's not like they beat, you know, Northwestern again in the championship. So here's another reason why I don't think it's that big of a deal. And I've said this all year. I don't think Oklahoma is as good as the other three teams. But Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley, with that offense and a month to prepare, should scare anybody. Am uh, am I giving them too much credit? No. And I said at the start of the year that if their defense was as improved as we all expected, that this Oklahoma team scared me more than the SEC teams do. Uh, Look, let's face it. Anybody watched that Baylor-Oklahoma game yesterday, all you had to think was, man, I really hope Baylor wins because there's zero chance of Baylor beating the Buckeyes. Like, watching that game, Baylor was never going to score enough points against Ohio State to beat them. Never. Oklahoma could have some random game where they score 48 points just because they're that good. They scheme that well. C.D. Lamb's amazing. Jalen Hurts is great. This is a darn good Oklahoma team. Now, they're not in the same class as a Clemson, whose defense and offense are both equally strong, kind of like Ohio State. They're not in the same class as LSU in that Joe Burrow has a big group of receivers versus a stud like C.D. Lamb. But Oklahoma is not a pushover. This is not as exciting of a year to have the one, or as exciting of a one seed moment as I hoped it would be going into the weekend. Because Utah and Baylor would have had no prayer of beating Ohio State. They don't have the offenses to do it. And unfortunately, both those teams lost, which is, you know, how the playoffs supposed to work is that the teams that aren't as good as the elite teams get knocked out. But man, that would have been really great for the Buckeyes to play one of those two in the first round. So I, I, I do think it matters, though, because Oklahoma is very, very good. I think Clemson, who's without question the three seed uh, in the final rankings, I think Clemson's better than Oklahoma, and I think it's better by a noticeable margin. And in fact, I'd rather play LSU than I'd play, rather play Clemson. Because Clemson at least plays defense. LSU, sure, they stopped the Georgia team that had its second string everything in last game. Great, good for them. They've given up 38 points this year four times, including to Ole Miss, who fired its coach, and to Vanderbilt, who didn't make a bowl game and probably should have fired its coach. So I'm not that impressed with the LSU defense. I think that's going to be the reason that they end up losing in this playoff is because they're going to run into a team that can actually stop Joe Burrow and company and not let them score 30-something points on them. Clemson, on the flip side, has the defense to do that. So... I think the one seed matters, uh, and I, th- I think it matters less than it might have 24 hours ago, but I do think it matters. We'll find out soon enough. The shelf life on this podcast is not the best. The content we think is pretty good. I appreciate the Dean. I appreciate the people champ stopping by. Keep it locked in, Bucknutters. We're here on a ride. <laughs>